Welcome to Ground Cover with your host, Kerry Cochran, proudly brought to you by the Regenerative Agriculture Alliance and Southern Cross University. This is a show for farmers by farmers, a uniquely Australian podcast series exploring real life stories of land managers who have undertaken the transition from conventional farming to regenerative agriculture. Each week, we'll share a unique and honest conversation about the challenges and opportunities of regenerative agriculture so you can make informed decisions about how to best manage your land. This is the final interview in the series on regenerative agriculture. And today I talk with Lorraine Gordon, who wears many hats, all of which we will address in this podcast. Lorraine heads up the Farming Together Network, she was responsible for setting up the Regenerative Farming Alliance and is the director of it. She is a director of the strategic projects at Southern Cross University. And in that capacity, Lorraine has been instrumental in forging ahead with the vision of creating a university degree in regenerative agriculture, which will be unique to Australia. And if that's not enough, she's also in between time needing to finish her PhD. And it is not over yet. In 2018, Lorraine was named Rural Community Leader of the Year. And there's a little wonder. So, welcome Lorraine. And tell me, where do you get the energy from? I don't always have the energy, but I guess when you're really passionate about what you're trying to achieve, the drive comes with that because you have a vision and you're very focused on seeing that vision through. I mean, let's face it, we are only here for a short time and I guess I'm lucky enough to be one of those people that really do want to make a difference and leave a mark whilst I am here and really make a difference for future generations of farmers. Farming has always been my number one passion. I find it the most fascinating industry to be involved with. Without a doubt, it is the melting pot of all sciences. And if you think you've got it worked out, you never quite have. It's forever changing and it's forever challenging us. And I like to be in that space where I'm taking on those big challenges. I guess that's where I get my energy from. I'm, I'm very enthusiastic about what I continuously learn in the agricultural space, not only about landscapes, but also about people. You know, I'm this very moment in the middle of the most intensive fires I have ever been involved with or ever seen in my in my adult career or even as a child. I've never seen fires of what I'm facing even in my own in my own farming area. In fact, my own area is completely surrounded by 120 hectares of fires as we speak. And what I find fascinating out of all of this is how people react in those conditions and what becomes highly valuable to them when they've got to escape fires and grab those last minute things. And so even that in itself, it's you're constantly learning in rural Australia, in agriculture, about not only your landscapes and your environment, but about the people that are part of that environment. Thinking about those people and also about those events in your life, there's, is there someone or something or some happening that really triggered you to think about what you're doing and why you're doing what you're doing? 
It's hard to say. I mean, I've always wanted to be involved with agriculture since I was 14 years old and I wasn't off the land, so that was unusual in itself. But I had a very strong calling to be a farmer initially. I have strayed into other areas, uh, other industries, which has only strengthened my capacity when I came back into the agricultural sector because I could see answers from other industries could be applied into agriculture and into rural Australia. So that actually gave me a strength in itself. Was there one particular instance that has given me the drive to continue going in this space? Not really. I just seem to get to crossroads, I guess, and I know which one to take because I follow what I value, what I love, and where I think I can make the most difference. You're now um, a significant figure in the world of regenerative agriculture and uh, for many, many years we're talking about sustainability of agriculture. Do you think this migration of concepts is the answer that we've arrived at a place that you feel very comfortable with talking about regenerative agriculture? Oh, look, absolutely. It's it's very interesting. This is a very interesting conversation because I think, oh, well, I'm known for saying that the sustainability ship has sailed and it certainly has. Uh, the younger generation really don't uh, have much time for the word sustainability. They actually want things repaired. So they are into regenerative everything. It's a very different generation and, and, it's, and it actually gives me a lot of heart because I think this generation that is coming up through the ranks now are actually going to be the generation to save the planet and I want to be able to support them in every way I possibly can. The word regenerative will become mainstream. I'm absolutely confident of that. And whilst, like most things, agriculture uh, leads the way with the Regenerative Agricultural Alliance, watch this space. We will see regenerative communities, regenerative design, urban design will have a regenerative focus, uh, regenerative health. I mean, this will just flow through every aspect of our lives. But again, it'll be agriculture that leads the way and it'll be agriculture and farmers that actually save the day. So as part of the series on regenerative agriculture, we've heard from several top farmers who see themselves as regenerative farmers and their stories have been fascinating and revealing. And what emerged for me, at least as the interviewer, was the bottom-up nature of their initiatives. They didn't wait for the DPI or the local agronomist or the universities to tell them what to do. They did it themselves. So what, the, what does that tell you about innovation in the Australian farming context? Well, you know, I might be biased, but uh, innovation always starts in my world, it does start with agriculture because if you understand ecology and understand the environment and people are part of that environment, it's a very complex system. So innovation comes out of trying to tackle those very complex issues. And without innovation and throwing diversity of decision-making and diversity of thought into that innovation process, um, you're not going to get the answers. So, yeah, agriculture plays a huge role because there's so many facets to it. You need to understand so many elements of science and so many, you know, such a broad range of topics. And to be able to get the best outcomes, you need to have diversity sitting around the table to tackle these very complex issues. And from that comes some very innovation based ideas. And we've seen that today. We've brought the Alliance, members of the Alliance, 
together around the table and all of these members represent in themselves memberships of hundreds of people. And in one day, we can come up with really out there innovative policies to present to government. And what's always interesting in the regenerative space is the collaboration that happens to achieve those sort of outcomes. I haven't seen it anywhere else. I mean, I have, I've seen people take weeks, months, years to come up with strategies and policies on how we should, should tackle problems. And yet, because of the way uh, regenerative practitioners think, which is holistically, they can actually come up with those collective solutions very quickly. And so, to me, it's the most exciting innovation that I've seen anywhere. I think there's probably a lot of farmers out there who want to know more about regenerative agriculture and how they get into it and and what do they do. But if you look at what's happening with uh, students coming out of university, uh, there doesn't seem to be too many of them who can speak the language that you're speaking of. So is there a a mismatch here happening that, that there's not a connection between the university and the world out there? Well, I think there certainly is. I think the time has come um, to really do some navel-gazing about our education system. And I'll talk about our agricultural education system and, of course, not wanting to, to put down what has gone before. It's just time to refresh the way we teach and particularly the way we teach in the form of a very reductionist view on solving problems. And we're in a space now, particularly around the challenges we face with the climate, that we actually don't know this space very well. And so we need to be, I guess, equipping our students to be able to solve problems holistically uh, and to really analyse what they're looking at, not to just absorb wads of information so that they can actually tick boxes and pass exams, but to be actually equipped to go out, look at a landscape and advise a client or if they're a farmer themselves, work out what is going on here. What have we done wrong and what do we need to fix it? And that doesn't mean that that individual will be equipped with all the answers But hopefully through knowing that collaboration is highly important and that that holistic thinking and view is also what will underpin everything, they can actually know what specialists they need to solve these problems and what area they might need to dive deeper into to get a a thorough understanding of what's going on. But we certainly need to equip students in the regenerative practices if we are going to survive even as a human race on this planet. That, that leads very nicely into one of your other initiatives, which is the undergraduate degree in environmental science, majoring in regenerative agriculture. So you have an announcement in that area. I do. I do, Kerry. And um, if I'm allowed to say so, it's also thanks to yourself, who through the Institute of Ecological Agriculture has had a a lot to do with the design of a new course um, at Southern Cross University, which is a Bachelor of Science in Regenerative Agriculture. And may I add, it is the first degree of its kind in the world. I'm absolutely ecstatic about seeing this happen because it's it's not an easy concept to get through uh, any university system 
to be able to have a degree that actually equips students to think holistically about problems. And that's really what we're about. But these students will be so highly sought after by industry, by government organisations that I'm not even sure we'll be able to have enough come out in time to to actually meet the demand of what I'm hearing. But yes, the first degree in regenerative agriculture in the world is going to commence in first semester 2020, next year. Already we have a huge interest in it uh, and we've only just launched it today. So I mean, it's and it's thanks to your organisation and the input and the specialist knowledge in the education, in education in general and how to teach that um, we've been able to get this degree up and going. And and really a, a big applause to Southern Cross University for being so brave to go where others have not been brave enough to go. That just shows, I believe, the leadership that is coming out of Southern Cross University from an educational perspective to take that step. So let's uh, clarify one thing. It's a Bachelor of Science in Regenerative Agriculture, but it is going to morph into a Bachelor of Environmental Science in Regenerative Agriculture in about a year or so. So that's one thing. The other thing is it's a major, which means it's eight subjects, eight subjects dedicated to regenerative agriculture. So there are about another, or so many, uh, 14 or so that are dedicated uh, outside regenerative agriculture, but in the environmental science or Bachelor of Science area. So students need to understand, of course, they're going to get a lot of regenerative agriculture and a lot of other subjects from which they can choose various electives or options to finalise their degree. So what will that, how that shape, do you think, uh, they're going to get a mixture of different influences, aren't well, they? Well, I mean, I don't know of many degrees where you can actually choose most of the subjects you actually want to study. And I think that in itself is so attractive to students. Students, particularly the, the generation of, of kids we've got coming through now, they don't want to waste their time learning about something they're totally not interested in to get a piece of paper. They want to learn about uh, a subject that they are completely connected to. So the wonderful thing about how this degree has been designed is that they can actually choose the subjects they want to study in the regenerative ag space. And they can choose the science, straight science subjects that they're really interested in as well to add to that mix. I think the, the other um, very unique thing about this degree is that we're actually going to be also using, alongside our academics, practising practitioners in the field where students can go to their properties um, as part of their residential side of their learning, get their hands dirty and really practise regenerative ag alongside those leading regenerative practitioners and learn from them in the field in a real practical sense. And I think the other wonderful thing about it, which um, hasn't been done before in the education system, is we're actually going to have practising professors, mm -hmm. which is an awesome thought in itself. <laughs> so we have this beautiful mixture of those leading practising professors who are also farmers that are teaching alongside with our academic leaders. So that's a sweet spot. So the professors really can be a farmer uh, oh, who becomes word. a professor for the moment. Mm. 
Let's look at some of the subjects that will be uh, taught within the major. If In first year, there's farming systems and alternative farming systems. So that looks very much at what's happening in agriculture on the land and how there are various alternative uh, functions on the land to do with biodynamics or organics or, or permaculture, those type of things. Then we move into agroecology, which is all about the ecology of the farm. We look at soil management and we bring chemistry into that, but in context. So the far, the, so students learn about, say, cation exchange capacity in relation to uh, nutrient uh, functions of the, of the soil. Then we have uh, a couple of subjects on regenerative agriculture planning and regenerative agriculture strategies and tactics. We have a subject on ecological perspectives, human ecology. So what we end up with is a lot of information about how to farm regeneratively and also how to think in terms of what is holistic and what is reductionist and what's the significance of the two and how to bring the two together. So in the end, you have a, fire, a, a sort of a wonderful, I think, uh, I, I use the word concoction, but it's almost um, the wrong word to use. It's a set of skills which are pertinent to the type of thinking required, I think, in this day and age. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to need every tool in the box for mm -hmm. what we're facing ahead of us. So being able to bring all of those perspectives together, all of those subjects are highly important. I mean, it's, it's endless. Where do you stop, really? I mean, you have to. You don't, you, you don't want to sort of end up with the students with so many subjects that they, um, they can't get through them all. But they will be constantly, as time evolves, reviewed and, and looked at to see if they still remain relevant. But right now, we've tried to really go to industry and, and ask them also, what is it you need? You know, we want to be turning out students that are equipped to solve problems that are highly sought after by industry. And the only way to do that is to make sure that you design a course that is from the bottom up. And that's exactly what we have done. And, and sought advice from these leading practitioners around the country on making sure we have covered the topics we need to cover. So you don't need to have... Um, a chemistry degree to be able to necessarily understand the soil. But chemistry plays a big part in it. So we must make sure that we cover off the aspects of chemistry as it relates to soil. And the same goes for biology and microbiology. Again, that plays just as important role in the soil. So we're going to need to bring all of these elements together if we're going to be able to equip ourselves to be able to function in an agricultural setting in the future. Lorraine, it sounds an exciting adventure and no doubt there are people listening who may well want to apply. So how do they go about that? Look, it's very easy, Kerry. Um, basically, they just need to either go to the Southern Cross University website, which is scu.edu.au, and look up in the contacts section for future students, or they can simply just phone our 1800 number, which is 1800 626 481. Great. Now, two other initiatives, Regenerative Agriculture Alliance, 
which you have started, and also Farming Together, which you've been involved with for about two years. So just briefly, um, what are they about? Okay. Um, look, I, I like to refer to them as the, the brother and sister in this space, and Farming Together uh, really underpins the Regenerative Ag Alliance in many respects because the Regenerative Ag Alliance was actually born out of Farming Together and Farming Together was a federal government initiative and it was really about assisting farmers, fishers and, and foresters to collaborate and in some instances form co-ops uh, so that they could have basically end up with more money back at the farm gate but through investing in their supply chains and in and investing in their ideas and making their ideas come to reality. Now, the wonderful thing about that program was that all of the projects that the team supported very much had a triple bottom line perspective to them. So the project had to tick the box of being not only economically stacking up, but also being good for the environment and very good for the community and socially. So environmental aspects were always uh, at the forefront of the decision making with Farming Together when it came to granting money to groups to um, initiate their projects. So it was very easy to take that engine called Farming Together to the next level, which was the Regenerative Ag Alliance, because already we had 28,000 farmers, fishers and foresters connected to Farming Together, yeah. all of which had a focus on their environment and on their communities. So it was just a logical step and the time was ripe. It was absolutely, we knew we needed to go to that next level, we could see that a lot of the stresses that were going on out there were really about us needing to come together and, and solve some of the really complex environmental issues that we were starting to see. And, and we need to remember that communities and people are part of those, a part of the environment. Look, they work wonderfully together. They are the same team. The, the team works in different aspects of, of both programs. But yes, Farming Together is definitely the engine through collaboration that is driving the alliance. So we use our collaborative models that were developed through um, Farming Together and our case studies and a lot of our expertise to bring the smartest minds in the country together around the table, which is the Regenerative Ag Alliance, to initiate a number of projects, um, one being the tertiary offerings, um, starting with the degree, and then later on ending up with uh, No Doubt a Master's program and also some really applicable research projects that are driven by industry demand, needing problems solved, needing solutions and needing some really solid research behind some of the work that they're doing. So we have a very strong research element in Regenerative Ag as well. And then being able to be a voice coming together, using those collaborative models to bring all of these smart minds around the table, the Regenerative Ag Alliance together, to actually put up some strategies and policy recommendations for government. What amazes me is that, is that you're doing so much, but at the same time you're doing a PhD, which is no simple matter. 
Um, <laughs> is that about regenerative agriculture too? <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, it is. And you could ask my supervisors whether she's actually getting this PhD done and I know they'd say, well, <laughs> very slowly. Um, it's interesting. I think I live my PhD day to day, but I don't get much time to write it up. So it's probably going to be go down in history as the longest PhD that anyone's ever known of by the time I actually do get to write it up and, and submit it. But uh, the research has been done. I really need to take six months off and sit down and write. But Right now, I'm finding that six months very hard to find. So I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Let me wave a, a magic wand for a moment and, and ask you, in 10 years' time, what sort of practices and policies would you like to see in place that would fit with your what you believe needs to happen to this country? Wow, that's a big question. And boy, I hope it doesn't take 10 years time, Kerry, because I don't know that we've got 10 years to see those practices and policies in place. I would very much like to see regenerative agriculture as being considered mainstream. So there is no more discussion around sustainable or conventional. It's all regenerative agriculture. And it just becomes, that's how we farm. We only think that way. We only, heaven forbid, that we would do it any other way but in a regenerative way. Heaven forbid that we wouldn't look at our landscape and think what is best for the future of this landscape. We are custodians of this land. So I think the whole concept of industrial agriculture or mining our landscapes, so to speak, and extracting, extracting, extracting will be a thing of the past it will be, everything will be about putting back what you take out and leaving things in a better state than we found them. So whether we're talking about uh, utopia here, I'm not sure, but that's, that's what I'd really like to see happen. And I'd like to see, I'd like to see government supporting those sort of initiatives. I'd love to see government having the same vision that our rural communities, our regional communities, and I guess our young people have, um, and that is to have healthy landscapes, healthy people, clean water, high quality fresh food, happy communities that are thriving and well adjusted. I would love to see us all have uh, be on the same page on how to that you know how to make that happen. That it becomes just the norm. That in every decision we make, we look at not only the economic implications, but the environmental implications and the implications for society as a whole and our communities. When I think about what you just said in relation to where you want to be in ten years' time, I almost think that Lorraine Gordon is talking about a revolution. Because how can you get from where we are now to that which is so different to where we are now? Well, I certainly see it as a movement. There's just, it's very interesting that when you know that you have the vision right, when you actually um, are on the right track and are on the right path, what tends to happen is the hurdles just fall out of the way. The challenges seem to dissolve and I believe that that's because you are at one with what I guess Mother Nature is saying has to happen and she will have the last say. 
So I th- would think it'd be better to go with her than against her. Um, and I think, you know, that's this is, if you want to call it a revolution, um, I, I guess I've never thought of it as a revolution, but it is most definitely a movement. And it is, it is a movement that is now so strong and so powerful in that it just continues to swell every day and the buy-in is exceptional. And, and we're just finding that those traditional challenges seem to dissolve because it's a massive energy going in a positive direction for the future. And that brings us to the end of this series of Ground Cover for now. To find out more about the Bachelor of Science in Regenerative Agriculture being offered through Southern Cross University in 2020 and beyond, check the show notes of this episode, which contains further details, including links to inquire. Thanks for listening to Ground Cover. Hit subscribe now so you never miss an episode. And for further resources on this topic, head to scu.edu.au forward slash RAA. This podcast has been produced by the Regenerative Agriculture Alliance on behalf of Southern Cross University, a collaboration designed to build a more resilient agriculture industry in Australia.